welcome to the NBA Coast to Coast podcast brought to you by thelines.com. Coming to you from the West Coast, Josh Lander, joined as always by Nate Weitzer on the East Coast. And it is Wednesday with a nine-game slate here for you guys. We are going to be talking about the Boston Celtics and 76ers in this one. We've also got another video up, including the Kyrie Irving Dallas Mavericks taking on the Clippers. Also have our player props up for you, so make sure to like and subscribe to that page. Also want you to head to thelines.com. You can check out everything we're talking about there and more. And use that odds finder tool that we have up there. Make sure you're getting the best juice available. Choose the best odds available from those U.S. sports books all NBA season. Nate, let's go ahead and get into this nine-game slate and then talk season 76ers yeah we open with a couple of uh pretty non-competitive ones pistons are plus 13 at cleveland charlotte plus five at washington pacers plus seven at miami and the spurs are plus 10 at the raptors but then we get into some spicy games uh sixers plus four and a half at boston totals 224 there kings in a rematch with the rockets are minus eight at houston the wolves plus five at utah rudy gobert making another return to utah uh interesting one there then as you mentioned Kyrie's debut with dallas they're plus eight at the clippers no luka Doncic, so it should be all Kyrie's car to drive there and then the blazers are minus two and a half at home against the stepless warriors in an intriguing nightcap there Celtics Sixers, I mean, I remember doing this one <clears throat> before the season started for the opener um, and, and liking over, uh, expecting the Sixers offense to just be much more efficient than it was the previous year where they had a couple of really uh, ugly games against Boston. And sure enough, I mean, Boston won and, and the game totaled 243. And we're in another exploitable spot here because Boston's offense has really sputtered in the last seven without Marcus Smart, uh, but been much more reliable at home still. You know, the four at home in that span scoring 118 and a half versus 111 on the road, hitting 16 and a half threes, uh, getting overset 27 free throw attempts per game in those four. I mean, because that's skewed by only 10 free throws in a blowout over Brooklyn. Um, and, you know, Philly, on the other hand, they get they're getting 31 free throw attempts per game their last four against Boston and that's with those low scoring slugfests. So the fact that Boston's the number one free throw defense recently is not that telling because I mean they they still can't keep Embiid and Harden off the line uh, and and Harden was the key why we liked over in that opener. You know he's going to come into the season in shape. We everybody was was forecasting that you know this is going to be a different James Harden a, a Harden on a mission. He had 35, 8, and 7 on a 165 offensive rating in Boston. And Embiid, you know, sputtered his way, but still good numbers, um, enough to keep that offense going. Both guys are playing extremely well uh, since early January. Embiid's averaging 34 and 11, Harden 20 and 11. And I, I mean, th- yeah, the Sixers on two days rest here. They're again, it's exploitable because they've gone under in three of their last four really ugly, low scoring games, two against Magic, one against the Knicks that had a 90 pace. Uh, so of course it went under. Yeah. Uh, but you know, off since Sunday, and they're nine and three to the over when they have at least two days rest this year because those two guys carry such a ridiculous load, right? I mean, it's obviously going to help them get a pep in their step if they get a little time off here. Uh, over in 10 of their last 14 road games, they went over in 15 of 18 overall before that four game stretch. And while the road 
offense is is not as impressive as at home. I mean, still scoring 117 per game. And you look recently in their last three, 124 defensive rating on the road uh, and scoring 121. So uh, they, they, you know, mix in that that ridiculous over at the Spurs, which we also called. And we can definitely see another high scoring game from the Sixers uh, who can keep their 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 foot on the gas with Maxi coming off the bench now. Celtics, we know, have plenty of depth off the bench. And really the key is the the Sixers can't guard big guards, right? I mean, and what does Boston have? They have two gigantic wings and then big guards in Brogdon and White who can also bully uh, those guards. And, and both Jalen and Jason had 35 in the opener. Malcolm Brogdon had a great game off the bench. Do like his numbers here, his props tonight. So I think there'll be enough scoring, and I lean a little bit towards Boston because of that advantage in the backcourt. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, got to kind of think about clutch numbers at that point too, right? Like who's been a little bit better down the stretch. I, I would say it's probably been about equal for both of them handling uh, pretty good in both situ- in, in, you know, clutch situations, fourth quarter situations. Um, but I think to, to your point about the over, the, the matchup lends itself to that and, and what these teams have been doing in, in these respective locations, right? The, the, uh, the, the Celtics at home and the 76ers on the road and, and at home over, you know, the last like 10 games or so, um, the, the Celtics dropping, like <clears throat> dropping 120, 121 a game. Um, you know, you've seen these overs in, in the games that they haven't gone over yet. It's definitely pace. Um, and, and but when these teams have faced each other, you know, like you said, in specifically in Boston, uh, the pace is at a de- decent spot for us to, to take points. The, the, previous matchup in Boston before earlier this season wasn't, you know, wasn't even with uh, James Harden, I don't believe at that point. So there's still, you know, not much to to garner from that because at this point it is, I think the free throw attempts are a huge aspect of it and 31 free throw attempts uh, against the Celtics in their last four games for the 76ers and and even more, you know, 33 of those uh, came in in Harden's first game uh, at home against uh, the Celtics. But I think that the Celtics, like you said, take what you will for the fact that they've been limiting free throws on the road or at home to the, you know, to over the last 10 to the tune of like second best in the league uh, that we just haven't seen them do it against the 76ers team. I, I think that lends itself to points as well. And then, yeah, three pointers are, are the Celtics going to be able to hit the 16 threes that they're making at home right now over the course of the last uh, 10 games that they played at there as well. Uh, you know, as far as limiting three pointers for, for the, uh, the 76ers, they were really, really, really good. And they've kind of, they fell back a bit, honestly. Um, there was a moment in time where they actually had like a month period where they were allowing a lot of threes. That's not the case anymore in, in their last uh, 10 games as well. They've been limiting threes to the tune of like 10 a game. Um, but the question is, yeah, are you going to be able to get in the way of guys like uh, Tatum and Brown when they're shooting from there, even Derek White? There's there's just uh, more of them, <laughs> more shooters than you can really, you know, hope to handle, I think, right now for, for the way Boston's playing as well. So, yeah, the only time that you see Boston go a little bit slower in pace at home uh, is is in a game like against Phoenix, uh, which was a weird-ass game that uh, I don't even really want to talk about uh, that happened earlier this week. Uh, and then, uh, you know, when other teams fail to come along because they're just blowing them out by 40. Um, and I, I just don't think that's going to be the case. I think that there's only been a few games I can even see in their last 10 that they have failed to get to 223. So um, this, this is low because of, you know, I think – a couple of the games that we've seen in years past before earlier this season, but this is this, that one is the best indicator of what I think you can uh, expect in this one. Yeah. And you could expect more pace with Maxi leading that second unit and, and with Philly continuing to struggle uh, to in transition defense, second worst transition D in the league 
um, even worse on the road and <clears throat> struggling to close down the stretch. I mean, they're fourth and fourth quarter defense on the season, but allowing 29 in their last three in the fourth, uh, which is well, well towards the bottom. Also struggling, limiting free throws, 28 free throw attempts allowed in their last three, including 39 to your Knicks and 56 paint points in their last three. And I mean, I do expect, you know, them to turn it around with the defensive intensity after those numbers indicate they've certainly not taken the last few opponents as seriously uh, because this is a huge rivalry and they will be geared up against uh, the Celtics. But I think overall the efficiency from both teams that they're, they're, you know, top six effective field goal percentage, even in these spots where they have a little bit of a dip, you know, in terms of the Boston recently or Philly on the road, they're still a top six scoring team. Uh, they have an unstoppable pick and roll combination in the, in the Sixers. And then the Celtics just incredible depth and, and miss the ability to create mismatches on the other end. That's why I think we get another over here. Yeah. And that's what the trends say. And, uh, you know, interestingly, everybody's bet this down for us, right? Like from 228 and a half to 224 and a half where you can find it right now, even 224 uh, flat in some spots. But um, I, I guess, you know, like we were saying that that could be due to some of the pace that we've seen the 76ers play the, the slight unders that, that, you know, that they've been hitting as of late, but the trends overall in the season are still that the Celtics are going over at home the second half highest clip and the Sixers uh, still going over on the road 62 and a half percent of the time. So I'm going to buy into that and buy into what I saw earlier this season when these teams matched up already. So this game, Dallas is plus eight at the Clippers total is 220 as uh, they roll in without Luka Doncic, but with Kyrie Irving pending a physical that he will probably pass. uh, and, I mean, his props are already up. Books are expecting him to play tonight. 27 and a half points for Kyrie. Josh mentioned the last, his last debut with Brooklyn was phenomenal. 58 and 7 in 38 minutes. I believe almost hit a ridiculous buzzer beater in that one. Um, so I, I think you can expect the change of scenery to do him well. And, you know, the last six before he, you know, the Nets just, completely folded in Boston, which now we know behind the scenes, Kyrie might've already quit on his team or maybe decided during that game that he was quitting. Um, he had a 138 offensive rating. He was just absolutely lighting it up with like 34 points per game, playing nearly 40 minutes in the absence of KD. And he's faced the Clippers twice with Brooklyn averaging 33 and a half in those games on, on incredible shooting splits per usual. So now without Luka, definitely gets the keys to the offense in his first one here. The Mavs have been playing better team ball without Luka lately in their last four here. Uh, Better, at least if you like, you know, a more freewheeling game. The pace is up to 97, which is very fast for the Mavericks in their last four. They're getting five more assists per game, hitting more threes because they're spreading it out more. And their defense has been even worse. Uh, You know, plus the adjusted pace means overs. Uh, and I think the Clippers, this is another one where I think the total is a little low because they had been such under machines at home. They had the worst home offense for a while. They've played 10 of their last 11 on the road. So we just haven't seen much of that, you know, since, since Kawhi yeah. got totally on his, on his shit. And then, and then they are just like looking like a great efficient offense. We've only seen one home game and they dropped 138 on the Spurs in that one. So the last five at home, at, in fact, I mean, they 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 have 117 a game, 123 offensive rating, 
in their last three, they've, they've gone over, um, you know, hitting 13 threes at 40% over six in six of their last eight overall with games averaging 233. Uh, and Kawhi is, is a guy I'm really honing in on who's going to be a leading player props today. I was shocked to see his prop at 25 and a half. It should be 27 and a half or higher. Um, he's just absolutely cooking and look at the matchup against Dallas, which like I said, is, is just floundering right now defensively and on the wing. Um, and then now they, they trade away Dorian Finney Smith, who is absolutely their best option to guard Kawhi. Uh, you know, he's played them twice this year, once with DFS, once without. It hasn't really mattered. He's 31 and a half points per game on a 168 offensive rating. Uh, and in his last eight against not Milwaukee, which we correctly called would be a bit of regression for both guys. Uh, 30 and a half points per game for Kawhi. 30 plus in a win is is over plus two is over plus two ten at FanDuel. Uh, worth consideration. Because there's just nobody to throw at him. I mean, Josh Green played really well in this Lucas game here uh, without for the Mavs, and maybe he tries to guard Kawhi. But Reggie Bullock was absolute food for him uh, in that game without DFS, and when he came off the bench. So I, that's why I lead towards just high efficiency here. Even if the pace is below 98, I think we do get over. And I, I mean, I think Dallas, you get that boost. We saw them beat Utah without either of these scoring guards. I think you're going to continue to get that boost to say, you know, we made a trade to make us contenders to give us a chance this season. And that's going to continue to galvanize guys for at least one or two more games. So that I would lean towards them covering. I I mean, especially after the clips failed to cover against the Kyrie list nets in their last one, I have a hard time taking them to cover eight, but I think the over is my, my preferred one here. Yeah. I have a really hard time getting them to cover eight. It's one of those games where I do think um, there it's going to be back and forth on offense just to, to sort of back up everything you said there. And, and in that sense, like anything could really happen. It could be, you know, a game where the Clippers are kind of up or hovering around up by like four or five and it's staying close and maybe down the stretch, there's some free throws and it gets close to eight. I, I think it's probably accurately, um, port, you know, placed in, in terms of the spread there. The total, I do like the over as well. I, I think you should believe in what um, has been happening for Dallas with Luca out. Uh, especially on the road in their last four without Luca on the road, you know, kind of mentioned a little bit of it, that 115 a game that they're scoring and the 120 a game that they're allowing with that 124 and a half defensive rating, still playing at the same 96 ish pace that they play all season. Um, but, you know, getting some big contributions on offense, like you said, from Josh Green um, and Spencer Dedwitty was was kind of balling out and doing his thing as well, which I think you can expect from, um, you know, from Kyrie tonight, same kind of concept. We, you know, when Dinwiddie was in there without Luka, he was, you know, scoring 24 a game with a 31.5% usage rate versus 17 points a game and 21% usage rate. There's got to be somebody who's the son that is, the, the you know, that this whole offense revolves around, right? And that's obviously going to be Kyrie. It's kind of Kyrie no matter where he is. So it's even going to be more so him and Jason Kidd's offense. Um, and so I think you can definitely, you know, like some points for him tonight, especially when you look at what he did, uh, like you said, in that first game versus uh, Minnesota, a really bad defensive Minnesota team, much worse than you're going to see uh, 
uh, in this Clippers team, but still uh, Kyrie is Kyrie. And I don't think there's anybody on the planet who can necessarily shut him down uh, as much as slow him down. There wasn't as much, um, you know, hate when he left uh, Cleveland to go to Boston. So maybe he wasn't fueled quite as much when he dropped 22, but he had those 10 assists as well. Just sort of showing that like when he gets into a new place, uh, I think he's, he's ready to show out, especially because he, he knows the best place to, to quiet everybody is on the court to, to make them forget about the ridiculous things he says when he's off the court. Um, so I, I think you believe in the, the, um, the Mavs uh, inability to stop anybody without Luca with, you know, with him, they're a little bit better. I think they're just without Dorian Finney Smith, especially this is gonna be a really, really rough game for them on, on defense. I think it's going to be a really rough rest of the season for them on defense. As a lot of people are predicting, um, they're still making 15 and a half threes a game. You got Christian Wood, who's also doing his thing to the tune of, you know, four more points a game without Luca, uh, 12 boards versus eight boards when Luca's in there, which is huge because they're, they're, they're not making up for the boards that Luca's not when he's not in there. So when they're, when they're playing without Luca over the last two seasons, they're talking, you're talking about them getting six less rebounds per game. And they're already the second or worst rebounding team in the league, right? Without Luca over their last like five, they've, they've been getting 29 rebounds a game, mostly because they're not stopping anybody from scoring each time down um, as teams are scoring almost on, like every possession, but also because, you know, they're, uh, they're not getting any rebounds and, and, and ending any possessions either. So it's all, it's all bad there just leading to points and and that's why I don't really want to mess with the total because to be honest like I would take Dallas to cover if I was going to to take a spread in this one um, but if you do like um, you know the total where it's at and I guess really I'd like to parlay it as well with the money line for the clips but if I'm sitting here saying that like I don't trust them to cover eight I'm basically saying I think the Mavs can win this game uh, with some crazy Kyrie nonsense on the court uh, and I really don't want to bet against that happening I just want to bet that there will be uh, more than 220 and a half points scored. Yeah, I mean, the difference is no Luca being out there more than anything that Kyrie might do is that you've, you've put in some of the numbers, the recent meetings between the Clippers and the Mavs, and it's all just like such a cat-mouse game. It's so slow-paced. It's so much Luca countering what they're doing to guard him. And that's why it's like this low-scoring drag-out game, and this is just going to be totally different. Like, this is a completely different constituted Mavs team, we don't know how it's going to look when both of those guys get in the lineup. But with just Kyrie, uh, you know, we, we should expect this to be a much right. more fun, uh, fun style to watch, honestly, and, yeah. and definitely more high scoring. And I think the Clippers have started to hit their stride offensively as well. So, yeah, that's why I agree on the 220 here um, more than anything in terms of picking yeah. a winner. Yeah, and, and and thank you for bringing that up. I almost forgot that I did see in their last four matchups that the pace is at ninety one point six, and the game is averaging basically less than two hundred or so, what two hundred five uh, per contest, and and that is a direct result of, like you said, Luca being in the game in those contests. Uh, and this is, that's just not the case right now. Um, he, he does, he's not having to, you know, it's not going to be him weaving and, 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 and doing his thing, trying to get between guys on this uh, Clippers defense. It's just going to be Kyrie trying to cook from everywhere. So you're listening to the lines.com podcast network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U S sports books all in one place. Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. 
Check out the Lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Stephen Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. Nate, let's go ahead and jump into your first NBA player prop for tonight. <clears throat> yeah, it's Kyrie Irving's debut at the Clippers here and going with the guy who's pretty much the opposite of, of Kyrie in terms of zero off-court drama or any sort of uh, demeanor other than just being a machine scoring the basketball. But I guess in that sense, they're, they're similar. In any, in any case, I mean, Kyrie's at 27 and a half points. Kawhi is at 25 and a half. And I think he's a far more reliable guy in terms of, you know, where he's going to perform in the margins here. I feel like Kyrie could have 18, 14 to 18 on ridiculously poor shooting, or he could have 50 like he did in his debut with the Nets. Um, but either way, Kawhi's just going to keep doing his thing, uh, which, you know, except when he had a bad game against Milwaukee in that low scoring slugfest, he's just been utterly unstoppable lately. I mean, last eight, other than that game, 30 and a half points per game, 142 offensive rating. That includes one against Dallas. Uh, and, you know, he's faced Dallas twice this season now, 31 and a half points with a 168 offensive rating. DFS, Dorian Finney-Smith was in for one of those games. He's, he's a pretty good option to guard Kawhi. He's obviously gone now. Uh, Reggie Bullock was absolutely cooked when he got a chance to try to guard Kawhi. So that's not going to go well. Um, and I mean, Dallas has struggled in general against big wings lately, uh, especially, I mean, really all season, the most points per game and six months rebounds to power forwards. And then the fourth most assists to power forwards in the last 15 Kawhi, um, you know, six home games since the start of January, they haven't played much at home at all, but he's getting 28 at home, uh, slightly more. And the, the fish, it's a 50, 40, 90 splits wherever he plays. It's even better on the road for what that's worth. But so 30 points and assists uh, is, is the better odds here. If you, if you want to add something to the points, because I think he's honestly getting like 28 and then you're just tacking on a couple assists, you're getting better odds, or you can go for him to get 30 and the Clippers to win plus two fifteen if FanDuel uh, like the juice on that one. Yeah. Hell yeah. I mean, I just, the only thing I have a problem with is that you said Kawhi is not drama and I would say that he has been a lot of drama, but other than that, I agree with everything that you said uh, and think that uh, this is a good opportunity for him. I, I really like the points, no matter what uh, I would like even rebounds in there is the, the maps are so, so bad at rebounding, especially when Luca is not even in there. So you could, you could throw those in and feel pretty good about that with Kawhi. Uh, I'm going to go under, cause I want to make sure I get one in here with miles Turner. Um, dude's been killing it by the way. I just want to give him his props for the last like 10 games. You know, even if you, narrow it down to the last like six he's averaging like 20 a game and like nine and a half boards so why the hell am i going under other than he's playing the miami heat and specifically playing bam out of bio um and you know against a bam in his last four by the way i should say the prop uh that i like is is under 24 and a half points and rebounds combined if you want to throw the assist in there it's wild that it's at like 27 and a half uh points rebounds and assists when the dude doesn't he's doesn't get assists i mean sometimes he does he doesn't do it against bam though um in his last four versus bam dating back to like three seasons ago 
10 points a game, 8.8 boards, uh, and one assist in the in that time frame there. There was a game, or there was two uh, two games in there that he played against the Heat without Bam, uh, and his numbers are a little bit better, but it's still like 13 points a game and less than 10 boards uh, as well there with less than two assists. Miami limits centers to the second fewest points per game and rebounds per game uh, and is in the top 10 in, in limiting them to assists as well. Uh, and then they're you know limiting points in the paint, three-pointers, free-throw attempts, all top 10 in the last two weeks as well. So uh, I just don't see a scenario where you know th- this is a good matchup for him miles turner is also so much worse on the road he's actually dropping 20 a game with eight boards at home on the road he's looking at 15 a game and eight boards um with uh 1.4 assists as well and that's all in like 28 minutes uh gets a few more minutes at home as well so like i, I yeah i just don't trust he's gonna even get the playing time or, or have any ability to get past bam to get uh, his props tonight yeah i mean miami great uh, everywhere on defense right now and playing at such a slow pace. What's what's the total for this game? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's like two nineteen yeah, or it's, it's like uh, two twenty three right now. Yeah, two twenty three. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I would take unders on a on a few pacers here in this spot, uh, especially the guy who's going to have to go up against yeah. Bam. So, agree wholeheartedly. Um, the other game we break down Celtics Sixers and talk about the Celtics size advantage in the backcourt and how they're going to press that. That's why Malcolm Brogdon is actually who I'm going with here more so than either the Jays, um, who did, both did have 35 in the season opener against the 76ers. But Brogdon's been doing his thing with with or without Marcus Smart since the start of January. He's averaging 16 and a half points along with four and a half boards, three and a half assists and, and then 48, 48, 92 splits. Without Smart in his last seven, still same numbers, uh, same splits, just a few more minutes per game. And, you know, but they that they average out to that because his last two games have been quiet. Uh, blowout against Brooklyn, that gross second half collapse against Phoenix last Friday that we don't really want to think about anymore. Uh, so Brogdon only 12 and a half points is his prop, which is extremely low. It's something, you know, he's had at least 14 in seven of his last eight without smart, including 26 in a 39 minute outing against the Lakers in that overtime game. I think this is somewhat of a similar matchup against the Sixers. Um, you know, it's a very two man game, you know, whatever, whatever you want to put it. And then there's two great players out there. They're both in the front court and there's some terrible defenders in the backcourt and Brogdon will push that. He'll push in semi-transition all the time. The Sixers are the second-worst transition team in the league. Um, so, I mean, if, as long as he's getting the minutes per 36, he's getting 21 points, six rebounds, five assists per game. So the the odds are not great on 12.5 points because I think you should it should be 13.5 if you want to go that route. Or you can tack on rebounds or assists for, like, four more because uh, I think he'll be getting closer to 30-plus minutes here in this one. Yeah, I'm with it. Yeah, and and I think uh, the you know this the bench for uh, for Boston should be able to score on this uh, Philly bench as well, which is not great on defense. Uh, once you throw guys like Montrezl in there and stuff like that, so uh, with your with your Malcolm Brogdon bet, I would also probably bet on the Jays just in recent history, like you said, one of them. But rather than having to figure out which one necessarily, uh, I think Brogdon is, has a low prop tonight. So uh, one other guy with a low prop <clears throat> that we're probably welcoming to the show for the first time, Kenyon Martin Jr. KJ here. 13 and a half points for the youngster. Uh, we're going over on that minus 110 on DK 
Nate's thrown in an idea about a double-double for the kid because it's so, so juicy, plus 575 on DraftKings for that to happen because he's getting really close, right? And the thought process is he's playing against a really soft Kings team here uh, in the interior in a way that you can probably, um, you know, just hope for the best and, and, and at least take his other prop uh, of points in there. Last six uh, for Kenyon uh, Martin Jr., uh, excluding that blowout versus uh, o- that they played at OKC that just, like, didn't matter after two quarters. Uh, 17 points a game, eight and a half boards in 31 minutes. Love to see the amount of time he's been getting, um, especially with certain guys like KPJ out of the lineup for a bunch of them. Double-double in two of those last six that he's played, 13 rebounds versus Washington and Detroit each. Um, both really, really soft down low as well, just like these Kings. Um, 18 and eight on, uh, you know, 80% from the field in that loss to sack uh, in 32 minutes. Uh, that was, you know, what, just like a week ago or not even like a few days ago. Um, and like we said, the Kings allowing fourth most points in the paint on the road. Uh, their opposition uh, points, more than half of them are coming off two pointers on the road as well, which is fourth most. Um, and they're allowing the ninth most rebounds per game as well. Bunch of second chance points in there for a guy who's attacking the rim uh, on offense like Kenyon Martin Jr. So I think it's a pretty good opportunity for him uh, and his athleticism to be a problem for guys like, uh, you know, for like DeMontis. Yeah, I mean, the Rockets are still, even with Jalen Green back, having that, finding that identity in terms of just playing hard-nosed front-court defense, uh, rebounding. They weren't able to stop Sacramento, but still able to press their advantages on the other end in the paint, and that includes Kenny Martin, who, yeah, I think he gets double-digit points here for sure, and it's just a question of are the Kings going to miss enough shots um, for him to get 10 rebounds. It's, it's incredibly juicy odds considering it's happened – in a third of his last six competitive games. So it's worth rolling out there because the Kings actually, aside from that 140, um, they, they've regressed a lot on, when they're on the road. They miss a lot more shots. They tend to go under. Uh, I'm not saying take the under here because this involves the, the Houston yeah. Rockets, but I am saying maybe Kenyon gets a, an opportunity to get 10 boards at least and you get a, a handsome payout. On yeah, that. worth the odds there for sure, like you're saying. So. That is all the time we have for you in this one. Make sure to like and subscribe to that page. Check out the other couple game videos we have up for you today as well. And until we see you next, happy betting.